Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is uh, spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 319 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well, uh, having an awesome day. Welcome to a brand new season of the podcast. We're going to be podcasting for September and October, and then I'll be taking a break for uh, the rest of the year and actually taking a little bit of an extended break. Uh, my plan right now is to do a six-month sabbatical. Uh, I have not taken a sabbatical <laughs> with STC in the seven years I've been podcasting. And although I love, love podcasting, uh, I also feel like rest is really important and I want to be a good model of uh, of self-care. And so uh, I'm still trying to navigate what that looks like, but I am looking at a, at a minimum six-month, possibly up to a year sabbatical from the podcast, um, I kind of want to just see how I feel, but I, I feel like six months should be good. And then my plan going forward is uh, at least probably every three years, uh, what I'm envisioning, uh, as long as I'm still doing the podcast, is to like take a little six month break, uh, just kind of build self care into into the schedule. If you are thinking about creating an online course, I know that many of us may be thinking about that right now in the midst of the pandemic and in a post-pandemic world, whether it's just to diversify our income uh, beyond therapy work or uh, just to feel like we have a bigger message to share and we want to be able to share that in a different way. Uh, beyond just our geographic area. If all of that sounds awesome and you've been thinking about creating an online course, I uh, just wanted to invite you to download the free A to Z online course guide. Uh, I launched my first online course back in 2015 to a $297 first sale. And through a lot of just hard work and uh, a lot of trust in colleagues to purchase the course, we've now had over 275 of our colleagues purchase the Healthcasters podcasting course. And I've learned a ton 
about what it takes to launch, grow, and scale a podcasting course and a course in uh, in general. And uh, that guide just has a lot of helpful information to help you get started. We're also launching something called Online Course School. This is a live cohort experience, so meaning that this isn't like a digital course on courses, although eventually it will have that. But this is more of a live experience where we therapists can gather over the course of six to eight weeks. And what I will do is I will teach you everything that I know about how to launch and grow a successful online course. We'll start with your idea and how to validate your online course. We'll then work through what your lessons and modules and all of those different things will look like. We'll actually take time and and actually do exercises to get those down. We'll come up with your course title and your subtitle uh, in a way that your students are excited to want to purchase that course. And then we'll talk about actually how to record and market your course as well. And you'll be joined with others in community and you'll have an accountability buddy and a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds awesome, I encourage you to download again the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll get right to today's session. Uh, So today's podcast is a, a fascinating conversation. I feel like many of us as clinicians, as business owners, we are realizing like, what is the point of our businesses beyond just income generation, right? And can it be, can our businesses be a, a vehicle to, for our own self-growth, for the, the growth of those that we serve, uh, to, can it be an, a, a tool or a vehicle for advocacy, uh, for social justice, all of those things. And that's what we're talking about today. So if you've wondered like how to think through this uh, for your for your private practice or for your coaching practice, whatever it is, um, how to build one uh, a business that lines up and and gives you personal fulfillment, but also makes a systemic impact, then uh, this is definitely a good conversation to listen in on. My uh, guest today is Ariana Lloyd. Ariana is a licensed clinical social worker out in Portland, Oregon. Her website is lloydcollective.com. She runs these eight-week live cohorts that uh, help therapists that are coming into private practice set up a business that is intentionally focused on personal growth, on creativity, on uh, and on social justice. And we're talking about those things uh, in today's podcast session. So we're, you know, start out with this conversation of like business as a way of personal healing and other people's healing. And we talk about some of the practical ways that Ariana's been able to do this for her own business. And also this fine balance, right, of how do you create programs uh, in a way that is intentional, but in a way that our healing doesn't take so much precedent that it comes at the expense of not serving those that were meant to serve really well. Next, we tap into this whole idea of creativity and uh, just some of the ways that Ariana has been able to use her sort of creative muscles and whether she even has a, sort of a method to hone those creative muscles. Uh, I think you're going to find this part really fascinating. And then we wrap up with social justice and advocacy um, how do you build a business that uh, that tackles really big social justice issues with intention and with care and with cultural humility? 
And uh, this probably could be a whole podcast conversation or two or three or four, but uh, we dive into that topic as well. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Ariana Lloyd from LloydCollective.com. Hey, Ariana, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful, one, that we've gotten to know each other for the past several months, part of the mastermind. And more than that, I think I'm just so grateful for your spirit and the way that you intentionally think about private practice building. And I mean, even just some of the the conversations that you and I have had, I'm like, wow, you know, I've never sort of seen it this way. And I'm, I'm super grateful that we get to have this conversation. And so many of our colleagues get to hear it and, uh, and, and, and experience that perspective. Thanks, Melvin. I'm just really happy to be here with you. I feel like when many of us start out as small business owners, there's sort of this like, okay, I just got to kind of make it work, right? But I think as many of us get more seasoned, we take a step back and think about things with intention. But I think one of your perspectives is why not do that with intention, even at the beginning? And Mm -hmm. business can be a vehicle for multiple things, right? Many of us may think of it just as a vehicle for income generation or to help people, but there are so many other parts to it. And we're going to talk about three parts, right? So business as a tool for growth, uh, business as a tool for creativity, and business as a tool for social justice. And I'm really excited to dive into those. Even before we get started, why those three? I mean, what what did you see in those that, you know, you felt like, hey, those are like really important ways to align a business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when I built my private practice, I just built it how it made sense to me. I did it on my own. Well, I did it with a business mentor from SCORE through the Small Business Administration, which was really nice to have. But I just built it in a way that made sense to me. And then when I reflected on it, that those are the things that I saw. And then as I started to help other people build their businesses, I saw those things come up over and over. Of like people were healing from the business development process. They were getting creative with it. And then because I'm in the Portland area, I mean, hopefully this is everywhere, but people are a lot more interested in like systemic change and doing things that are better for the community and better for decreasing oppression. So they were just constant themes that I saw that then I was like, let's make those, let's keep making those happen. Yeah, with intention and and sort of have those as kind of, I guess, bookends or uh, sort of grounding elements to how businesses are built. Yeah, yeah, it's like a kind of North Star. So then when people are starting the process, they're like, okay, I know, I know the values I'm bringing into it at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to dive into each of those three. So you said the first one is business as a way of personal healing and other people's healing. Uh, I was wondering if you could just sort of maybe, as you're comfortable, like share your own experience of like how yeah. the business has helped your own healing. Uh, yeah. Healing. When I started my business, I, I started it from a place of major burnout in the field. Like I, I started it when I was uh, on maternity leave and I did not want to go back to my work. 
and I was really burnt out. And then, and then as I continued to build it, like I ended up getting a divorce and lots of very difficult things happened. And so it kind of felt like a lot of my life had been bulldozed and I needed to rebuild something completely new. And I have two small kids, so it needed that needed to factor into what I built. And I just found that the building process was so healing for me, like feeling like, okay, I can choose my schedule. I can choose who I'm working with. I can master these different ways of providing services. I found all of that to be really, really healing during a time when I was really feeling quite wounded. And I felt really grateful for that. And then as I've worked with other people, what I've noticed is that just naturally when you're building a business, it's vulnerable. And so then when we're vulnerable, it brings up our stuff. Whatever our stuff is, like whatever old wounds we have, it's going to bring it up. And then it's an opportunity to work through it. Ideally with support, like ideally we have people to talk to or just like a place to journal about it. But I've just found that the development process itself brings up all of these opportunities to heal yeah. painful things. And then the services, then when we provide services from that place, I think it's way more healing for the people we work with versus like what I found working in someone else's system was like, it, it was making things worse for me. So then I was trying to provide services from a place of not feeling so great. And I don't think, I mean, hopefully those services were still effective but I don't think they were as effective as when we're like, yeah, this setting that I'm working in is really healing and supportive of me. Yeah. Uh, the word, I had a couple of words that came up. One word, uh, as you were speaking, was like alignment, right? Like there's such a alignment when you are working from a place of healing because there's so much more clarity with regard to what you're doing, why you're doing it, right? Yeah. And then the other thought that I just had is, man, you know, we have had conversations about this, like business building does not happen in a vacuum, right? Like life does not stop. We go through like very hard life circumstances, mm -hmm. all of us, right? And I think you're saying this, which is a realization that I've had in the last, I would say like six months, which is my own trauma and my own mental health like has a significant and my own relationship with money, like all of these things, like has a significant relationships on, on my business, right? The stuff that's happening outside of the business directly impacts it, whether I want to acknowledge or not, you know? Yes. Yeah. And like it can, if we do have good support, then we can be like, oh, this is what it's bringing up now. <laughs> now how do I work through this? And now this is what it's bringing up. And I found that you can work through it like, in therapy, which we're all used to, but you can also heal through coming up with new structures within your business or coming up with new material or come like making a website. Even those like those tasks are quite healing, I found. Yeah. Or like mastering, you know, if we have money wounds, mastering our like accounting and having a really solid spreadsheet and knowing how we're gonna file our taxes. Like the these practical things that heal like older stuff that's what's been surprising to see for me uh can you like offhand again not to put you on the spot but like can you give like a practical example like i mean you mentioned a couple of them in your own business where 
you were mm-hmm. like, man, you know, like this is an area that I needed some healing from and this is something practical I did and it really helped me. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I think with working in the system I worked in and then going through the divorce, like when you're not doing well, your creativity goes and like your sense of hope goes like that sense of like I can make beautiful things happen or I can make something new happen it just it's much harder to find because you're like I just got to get through today and like whatever is going on right now so for me a huge healing thing was making my website and just being like here's beautiful pictures that I was able to find and I'm going to lay them out in a way that looks really nice and I'm going to be really creative with the copywriting and be like a little bit humorous and a little bit personable and like doing that for however many pages of your website, like for me, and then having it look good and then getting positive feedback and having people relate to it and interact with it. Like that whole process was like, Oh, this is like the creativity part of me that really needed to come out is like, is developing or like healing now. Yeah. Uh, the image of like the phoenix like emerging from the ashes like sort of like came into my mind you know like that in the midst of difficult things for you know all of us right and even for for you like something beautiful did emerge and Mm -hmm. you were able to show that new emergence through like the website you know Mm -hmm. yeah which is funny because you wouldn't think I wouldn't think of a website that way of like (laughs) (laughs) this person must have really gone through something hard because look how beautiful this is (laughs) but like but I feel like yeah it comes out in different ways and I've seen that for like people I work with too that like it'll come out in copywriting is especially a place that I've seen a lot of therapists that are like I was really stuck or I really didn't feel confident or I really didn't know what my purpose was or if I provide something valuable and then I wrote about like the person I felt you know, got the most transformation from working with me and like, it made me cry. So I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah. That is so beautiful. You're going to make me cry. I'm at all this interview here. Yeah. (laughs) I I wanted to ask you like a related question, which is personal healing and other people's healing is, is such an important part, right? How do you balance this and not let it go toward an extreme where, for example, uh, where the business becomes more about like your healing versus being of like service to others? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think even asking that question keeps it more in balance. But I think also we do way better work if we have people that we're consulting with regularly. So I have a consultation, like a clinical consultation group that helps me keep the focus off my, like being too much on myself or on the client and like in that good middle spot. I think consultation is huge in our field. So that's probably one of the big ways. And then staying really engaged in learning modalities because that also like, I really love reading Carl Rogers work. And right now I'm reading um, Waking the Tiger. So just like staying engaged in like, clinical research or reading other people's clinical research. I feel like those are big ways too and things that you can do that keep the focus on on what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, 
I think that's a great yeah. answer. I mean, I, I think the the highlight for me is like the importance of having a support system where you can, where people can like lovingly hold you accountable, but you can actually go to, to say like, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how I'm thinking about it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Because I think, I don't know, this is a tension I constantly feel. I don't know if you struggle with this at all, but like, it's that fine balance of like being confident as a small business owner, but having the humility to realize you don't know everything. And in fact, if you're too much in the weeds with stuff, you can actually miss mm -hmm. out on really good information. Right. Yeah. And, and needing like other people to be like, hey, Mel, you should probably think about it this way, you know? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. I feel like I'm more likely to get in the weeds or like just get into my own feelings about stuff if I'm not regularly consulting with other people. Like that's when I know I need to have like I have an individual supervisor and a group supervisor. So that's when I know I need a session is like when I'm two in my head. Or like business-wise too, like you just said, it can totally happen. I remember I was really, I took Annie Schusler's Create Your Program like a handful of years ago now maybe. And I remember it, it was my first big purchase. And I remember being like, should I do it? Should I not? And spending like a month. And then I went and saw my business mentor and he's like, well, yeah, you could do it. And that was it. Like that was the only feedback he gave me. And I realized I was stewing over this thing that was just like, pretty simple and straightforward yeah absolutely annie's wonderful yeah yeah she is wonderful uh the second point you said is your own creativity uh, and i was wondering like would you mind giving us an example of this in the program that you've created how yeah. you've been able to you know tap into your own creativity yeah that's a good question i felt like the program kind of came to me and i really love Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. It's a great book. And she talks, I love that book. And she talks about like ideas come to us and then they leave. And so if we act on them when they come to us, then we get to create the thing. And that's how the eight-week program came to me. It was just like, you know, a lot of hard work of like writing out each module and figuring out and what we would cover and recording all the videos for it. But the ideas themselves, it felt like it came through this process of writing and thinking through like, what's the individual process of building a business? What does that look like? Yeah. So I think that's mostly what that looks like. Yeah. That and a lot of like crying and doubting myself, but then like being like, but we still got to create something. So let's keep trying. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that part of it, right? Because like, it's so easy to listen to conversations like this, right? When, see like both of us have successful programs right and to see like oh yeah like that's they just got to figure it out but it is it's all of us i feel like right whether we show it or not like go through those like peaks and valleys and yeah. even in the midst of what looks like maybe success right there's still peaks and valleys right and so Absolutely. much of this has been i don't know it's been uh trusting your creativity, trusting your gut. I, ha I heard this phrase a while ago and I, it's like on my wall now, but it's basically like, don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, and I, and I felt like, at least for me, and I, I know everyone's wired different, but like if I go to either one of those extremes, I feel like my creativity gets zapped. Yeah. 
Definitely with the lows. I think with the highs, I'm still pretty creative. (laughs) But definitely with the lows, I'll be like, I can't, I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a friend when I was like really struggling in creating the program. And I don't remember what specific thing I was struggling with, but I just felt like I had so much to do. And I couldn't quite get it organized in my head, which I feel like is very much the process of developing a business. Like you can see all of the things that you need to get done, but you can't quite put them in order. And then that confidence that you will be able to accomplish them is not there yet because you haven't accomplished them yet. Mm. And I remember telling a friend that, and she's got this wonderful, um, successful photography business. And she said like, that mess that you're in is the work of developing this business like that that's the work and I was just like oh thank you like then I can trust this like I can trust that it's messy and I feel really low and I can trust like I'm still doing the work that was really important for me to hear yeah absolutely especially when we now we live in this world of social media where highlights are you know like the norm right and the messy is rarely shown yeah right yeah, uh, it's too and, much. Yeah, and it's hard. And so, I mean, I, honestly, like, especially since the pandemic has started, like, I've really limited social media for that very reason, like, among other things. But one of the, that's been one of the major reasons because it just feels like it takes too much of a toll, you know, when all you yeah. see are highlights and you feel like, man, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't really see the process. Yeah. That, that's what it removes. It, it removes the process and just shows outcomes. And only the good outcomes. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, the mess is in the work, right? Uh, yes. Related question. Do you like, okay, this is going to be really nerdy, but so I actually, I have a 30 minute block of time every week where I do like creativity exercises. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. And it's, and maybe it's not nerdy, but part of, like, part of it's because like, I realize it's just a muscle I have to develop. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of great books that I'll, you know, I can, you know, definitely share. But like, do you have like a process like that where you refine or kind of work on those creative muscles? Yeah, whenever I'm trying to figure out an idea, like even actually thinking about this conversation with you today, I have to do a lot of writing and I have to almost do a lot of free writing and get out all the ideas and then figure out which ones are decent So that's a big one. And then I have to also, if I really want it to be a clear thing, I have to talk it through with a friend that I trust, that I know like really loves me because it's so vulnerable. And that also gets my ideas a lot more clear and then workable. So that's usually my process when I have like a creative project. And I'm not, I would love to be a routine person like that, but I'm a project person. So like I do that to accomplish a project. But if someone was like, do it every single day or every week, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. But if someone's like, you've got a project, then I'll 100% do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I realized that's kind of nice to know too, because people seem to work one at one or the other, right? Like, and if we don't know that about ourselves, it can be a bit tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my process. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's awesome that we're having a conversation because I think like we're wired differently in that way, and uh-huh. both, and both work right. And it's just like realizing yeah. like yeah. this is who I am, you know. Yeah. The 
The third point is business as a vehicle for advocacy, for social justice, empowerment, um, however we want to sort of phrase it. But like, yeah, uh, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about that, because, you know, we do. We live in such a pivotal time in history with racial injustice, you know, all of these things happening, right? LGBTQI rights, like all of this stuff, right? And we, I think as as clinicians, we do have the opportunity to step into leadership and step yeah. into advocacy. Um, mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could just even tell us sort of a, a big level what you mean when you say business as a means of social justice or advocacy yeah. or environment or... Yeah, uh, this is something that I've thought a lot about and I'm still in the beginning stages of understanding, but uh, there's this concept of doing well by doing good. And I really feel that we have a lot, if you're if you're able to develop a business, if you're able to have a master's degree or a PhD, you've got a lot of privilege and a lot of power. And that means that we can use it to make like systemic change. I don't think this is something I feel really strongly about. So I have to be careful about how I say it. So, but I don't think that we're meant to like build a business so that we live the dream. I don't, I think that living the dream historically has been a lot of values that are rooted in white supremacy of keeping these categories of people and these layers of oppression. And so I think that when we build a business, we can do it from, more radical values that are addressing like systemic change. Mm. So maybe one thing would be like wealth redistribution. So one thing my business does is a lot of fundraisers where people get free trainings, but then we donate to different nonprofits that are intentionally addressing oppression. Other people do things like they'll earn, they'll set their rates really high, but then they'll donate their time to different like organizations that are doing pretty, for lack of a better word, like radical work. But I feel like we can develop a really good life for ourselves, a really profitable business, but push it a little bit and make a difference in our community or in communities that have been marginalized. There's a researcher that I really love named Barbara J. Love, and she has like critical liberation theory that I'm obsessed with. And she talks about this like liberatory consciousness as a like that is possible to create equity in a community and have our systems benefit all of the people's humanness in the community. Mm. And the way she writes about it is so beautiful and inspiring. And when I was developing Wood Collective, that was a lot of what I was thinking about in this last part of like, oh, business can like it doesn't have to be separate from like you go to a protest but then you run your business in this other way. They can, they can be together. Mm. Man, it's like so beautiful. I, um, I, I recently heard about this book called conscious capitalism. It's like to my next book to read. And it's, I think based on very similar principles of like building a business, not just like for profit, but like for social good. Right? I love that idea. Yes. Um, and yeah. Uh, how do you, so you said one of the ways that you've applied it, right, is doing these trainings. So like, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about it, because I mean, we've talked privately about it, and I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so mm-hmm. intentional. So I feel like others need to hear about it. So 
Do you mind just? Yeah. Yeah, we do these free trainings. Um, usually, last year it was every single month, and I realized I couldn't sustain that. So this year it's like every other month. And it's generally a person in the field that also has like an anti-oppressive lens, and they're intentionally addressing oppression with their work. They come and give a training on how to do better work in their specific area of expertise. And then they generally choose an organization for us to work with or to donate to. Um, and then my organization matches those donations. So we have this wonderful woman that works with Palestinian Americans. She's first generation. And we donated to Palestinian American Women's Association. We also had like a really well-known clinician here in the Portland area come. And there's this newer nonprofit that's not even fully like 501c but they're helping immigrants and refugees, a specific country in Africa that I'd have to go back and remember. But we were able to donate like over a thousand to their organization. So like just these small opportunities for people to donate and use money to create more change. It's really exciting. Yeah. Exciting yeah. work. And it, it, feels, it feels very small, but it also like slowly adds up over time. Absolutely. And it, I don't know, it makes you like realize like you're part of a larger system, right? These businesses, again, aren't built sort of like just here's Lloyd Collective, right? Here selling to yeah. Couch, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think this is, I feel like we could probably have a whole other podcast conversation on this, but like I, I think a lot about this, like as STC like continues to grow, like, you know, at some point, right? It's not just like, financial things you know that sort of bring satisfaction and purpose it's ultimately about how do you leave the world a better place and how do you, mm -hmm. you know how do you advocate for those that can't advocate for themselves you know yes i wanted to ask you kind of a final question how do you think like social justice like through the lens of you as like a queer white woman how do you think this has applied for you yeah I feel like I have a lot of privilege. So mostly the way that I feel like it applies to that, it's a sense of like a duty and like a thing that needs to be done. And the more I can learn about it and help other people, well, not on their behalf. In fact, I was just listening to a talk by Barbara Love and she's like, don't do it on my behalf. Do it because you want to see the world become this like, liberated place that eradicates oppression so I kind of feel like having that vision in mind and then working towards that is is my job because maybe not because of the privilege maybe also just because that's what I want and that's what I think is what's best yeah the yeah identifying areas that we have power and privilege and being willing to advocate or use that power and privilege, even if it means that our power and privilege like lessons, right? For the collective good. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it does so that's a bit more equal. Yeah. But this is definitely an area that I'm like every day learning and sorting out and trying to make sense of like, okay, how do you use like white privilege in a way that's like actually effective versus harmful and how do you do it? with humility and with listening to people, um, but not relying too much on people to tell you how 
to do things so that you're not putting pressure on others. So it's something I feel like I'm in the baby stages of, but also that it feels like it, it's like, it's what gives even like the rest of what I do in my collective a, a purpose or a point. Cause you can do all those things separately, but I feel like this is what really makes it have quality and meaning. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that cultural humility, I think that's such an important part of it, you know, like realizing, like holding loosely to what we know, right? Yeah. And being open to feedback. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, Ariana, yeah. I am just so grateful for you. Uh, you're doing such important work in the world. Uh, tell us a little bit about Lloyd Collective and specifically some of the things that you uh, do to help private practitioners. Yeah, Lloyd Collective was started to help people develop private practices, and especially those that are rooted in these values that we've talked about today. And the main offering I have is an eight-week online course that you're helping me constantly improve through our mastermind. And through that course, people develop their entire private practice. So we talk about healing as we're going along. We're talking about creativity. We're talking about systemic change and social justice in it. But you're also doing all the nuts and bolts of building a practice. So like you're registering your business, you're setting up all of your electronic health systems, you're getting all your paperwork ready, you're figuring out your accounting, you're building a website, all the stuff that needs to get done to be up and running. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And yeah. but I think the most important thing is, I mean, you're with other people who are in alignment with yes. you, you know, and you're building yes. together. Right. Yes. So it makes a big difference. And you have this pace that kind of forces you to like keep moving in a in a friendly, kind, helpful, forcing way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Intentional yeah. way. Um, yes. Yeah. Ariana, thank you again for doing this and uh, have a great rest of your day. And I'm super grateful for you and uh, for our friendship. Thanks, Melvin. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ariana, and especially if you are in the early stages of private practice building, or even if you're a seasoned practitioner, you're like, hey, I just want to continue to build my business with intention and care. I hope that today's podcast session has just been really helpful for you. Um, I was reflecting a lot. There was a lot of stuff so uh, that Ariana shared. First of all, the the uh, author uh, that and the researcher that Ariana mentioned is Barbara Love. Uh, definitely encourage you to check out uh, check out Barbara's work. Uh, I'm really excited to be uh, diving into some of that as well. Uh, a couple of points that Ariana made, uh, you know, phrases that I, I wrote down. I just wanted to share which is the first is the mess is in the work. And I think as clinicians and as small business owners, you know, we live in a world, uh, again, as I shared on the interview, where highlights are often emphasized. And for, for us, like, it can be so easy to be like, man, like, I'm struggling, you know, like, even with STC, right? Like, this has been uh, an amazing season of growth. Uh, and I've put in like seven years of a lot of blood, blood sweat, tears, and uh, and fears and doubts, right? And and I just, uh, and it was just a good reminder for me that, you know, even though it does feel hard and messy at times, there is an ultimate purpose to it. And then the other phrase, the doing well by doing good, uh, I really like, I just really like that phrase, you know? Uh, I think, again, 
I think a lot about this for SDC, you know, particularly for, for me, it's in the sort of the area of girls' education uh, and poverty. Uh, I think particularly because, you know, we have a daughter and I know that the privilege and the opportunities that she has, I know that many others won't have that and many other girls won't have that, right? And what does that look like for us to be able to redistribute our wealth and our power in a way that empowers others? Ariana's uh, website is over at theloydcollective.com and definitely encourage you to check out the week program, especially if you're a new practitioner that wants to build a private practice based around these uh, these pillars of growth and creativity and social justice. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. I wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Course School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the cohort launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Thanks. visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.